Hi, I'm Douglas Haynes, your Monday host of A Public Affair. We love creating this public space for in-depth conversations about education, ecology, food, and so much more. To keep these conversations going, we need your support. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Thank you. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. Welcome to A Public Affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. Though the University of Wisconsin system has been in the local news a lot this past week, most of the news has not been about what is arguably the biggest issue impacting students, state disinvestment from public higher education. Nowhere is this issue more apparent right now than at UW-Platteville, Richland. In November, UW System President Jay Rothman announced that the two-year campus will cease offering in-person classes this coming July. Rothman directed UW-Platteville to maintain a presence at the Richland Center campus, but it's still unclear what this might include. Rothman's justification for closing the campus was a sharp drop in enrollment, which declined from 567 students in 2014 to 60 students last fall. But this same period also included a dramatic drop in state funding for UW-Richland and UW system restructuring, which made the campus part of UW-Platteville. This change entailed eliminating administrators and a recruiter at the Richland campus. The campus closure raises big questions about whether the state of Wisconsin is still committed to the mission of the UW system, which has long been a national model of providing access to an affordable liberal arts education close to home. And many lives will be impacted as well. The Richland County Board says more than 200 jobs will disappear when the campus closes and dozens of students will lose access to an affordable education. Here to tell us more about the unfolding story of UW-Richland's closure and its impacts, we have three guests today who were students, faculty, and employees at the campus. First of all, we have Dion Kempthorne, who was professor Emer- who is Professor Emeritus and a former dean at UW-Richland. Welcome, Dion. Thank you. And we also have with us Dorothy Thompson, former Director of Marketing and Communication at UW-Richland. Welcome, Dorothy. Thank you. And also with us today is John Poole, who was a student at UW-Richland when it opened in 1967 and who has worked on campus for more than 40 years, retiring as Assistant Campus Dean for Student Affairs. Thank you for joining us, John. Well, thank you, Douglas. Happy to be with you. I'm really looking forward to talking with you all about this important issue today. I'm going to welcome our listeners as well. We'd love for you to join our conversation. If you have a question for our guests or want to share a perspective or experience with UW Systems two-year campuses, please give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. You can also tweet us at WORT Talk or message a public affair on Facebook. Before we dive in here, I should mention in the spirit of full disclosure that I am a UW Oshkosh faculty member, and I've watched the process of two-year campuses being consolidated there as well. We'll talk about that process and its impacts at UW-Richland a little bit later in the program. But first, uh, I'm sure our listeners would really appreciate hearing from all of you about your experiences at UW-Richland and what's so valuable about the campus for students and the community. So we'll start with you today, Dion. 
can you describe the campus for us first for folks who haven't seen seen it or been there and then share your perspective on student and faculty experiences there? Right. Uh, the uh, campus is uh, uh, in a beautiful setting, you know, in the Okooch Mountains uh, all around and with the Pine River and the Wisconsin River and the Mississippi River not far away. Uh, so it's a, it's a bucolic setting, uh, and it's a lovely campus of uh, seven beautiful buildings, uh, well-equipped for education. Great. And uh, you were uh, both a faculty member and an administrator there. What was your your experience there over the years, Dion? Uh, yeah, let, let me just say, uh, yeah, I think all you really need to know about me is that I spent my first uh, eight grades in a two-room country schoolhouse, uh, and there were four of us in the eighth grade. I'm not going to pursue that any further than I just did, but uh, so let me jump ahead. So after, sure. after, earn, after earning a you know, a Ph.D. in English at uh, UW-Madison. I taught for some 20 years at UW-Manitowoc and UW-Washington County. And then in 1990, I was fortunate to be hired as dean at UW-Richland. And I served as dean there from 1990 to 2001. Uh, it's my major distinction uh, that I'm the only dean to have served for two centuries, actually. <laughs> and, and serving as dean at uh, Richland uh, has, in fact, been the honor of my life. Uh, uh, from my first day on campus and uh, ever since, the enthusiasm for uh, higher education and cultural programs has been inspiring there. Uh, and, and I mean not just among faculty and staff and students, but throughout the community. Uh, it's a place where uh, hardworking taxpayers from all walks of life are, in fact, very proud to have built this beautiful campus from the ground up. Uh, if you were to come to town, you would uh, soon learn that the people here commonly call the campus our campus, not the campus, but our campus. Uh, their roots uh, in it run deep. They've earned the right, I believe, to feel possessive about it. Uh, it's just a special place uh, in its physical beauty, uh, in its setting, and in its uh, 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 way of teaching and learning. Uh, it's a perfect fit, actually, of people in the area and the place and the program. Uh, in my own experience, if you can, I can just say a couple of things about uh, the development of curriculum and, uh, and campus uh, buildings and things. Uh, in my experience at Richland, uh, uh, you know, we were always providing a first-rate degree program, uh, and very often to rural and low-income students who otherwise wouldn't have access to higher education. Uh, and we went further than that. We also developed signature programs such as Academic Alliance, which linked uh, campus courses uh, to area high schools to help students in these small towns get a head start on college. And uh, strikingly, we also created uh, numerous international student programs that brought a whole world uh, uh, of diversity to uh, not just the campus, but the wider community. Uh, and as always, uh, you could count on us having a delightful college for kids program in the summer and year-round for all ages, a really bustling, continuing education program. 
Uh, but let me mention uh, in, in these times of uh, funding concerns, uh, what really is most memorable, most impressive to me as I look back, uh, as a dean engaged in fundraising, uh, I'm amazed at the incredible generosity of uh, private donors who regularly uh, in Richland County, you know, with a dollar here and a dollar there and a million here and two million there, stepped up again and again to build dormitories and science buildings and student services facilities and funded uh, all kinds of special projects and countless scholarships for our students. Uh, in context of the 26 campuses in the state, uh, I dare say we were and are the uh, envy of other two-year campuses. Uh, to this day, our campus foundation is still well-endowed, and our benefit uh, to our wider community is said to be some $7 million in the benefit to individual students, as you all know, uh, whose lives have been enriched forever is simply uh, incalculable. Thanks so much for sharing that that lovely portrait, Dion. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's so much to to dive into there, but I think it gives the audience a real rich sense of the importance of the place in the community. And I'd love to have you talk about that a little bit more, Dorothy, about your sense of the campus's role and impacts in the broader Richland County community. When we talk about losing a campus, we're of course not just talking about impacts on students, but we should reflect on on what this loss could mean for the community. Uh, it will be significant because I believe in a in a place like Richland Center, the campus touches every single life. Uh, most of the time, our mayor, our city council, our um, county board members, all of them are, many of them are alumni, teachers. If you go to the hospital, your doctors and nurses and other medical professionals may be alumni. Um, aside from that, most people around this rural area depended on the campus and, and still do if to the extent that they can, uh, to learn things like like virtually our continuing ed office really brought this region into the computer age. People didn't know how to use them. So um, it also reaches young people, or did, before they started cutting everything with College for Kids, with uh, all kinds of special enrichment programs. And I think in a, in a way one of the most important things is most of the time the majority of our students were first-generation college students. So it was really, a, really, really critical to, to changing the lives not only of those individuals, but I have seen over and over to generations to come in their families. Thank you, Dorothy. And I think that brings us right to you, John, nicely. As a former student yourself, how has the campus shaped your life? Well, very clearly, to me anyway, it has meant the the world to me because I wouldn't be where I am now. I wouldn't have done what I was able to do had it not been for the establishment of this freshman and sophomore campus. Um, I graduated from Richland Center High School. And like so many others, the first thing I wanted to do after high school graduation was to get out of town. Uh, But then 
the economic reality of our family was that I couldn't afford to do that. So it was very fortunate to me that we had this opportunity here locally because, and Dion mentioned this a little bit, that the campus provided local citizens like me with an accessible and an affordable access point to the University of Wisconsin system. And I was able to stay at home. I was able to maintain my part-time jobs and still get very involved in campus activities and learn how to be a college student because I think that's one of the keys to success is college is so much different than high school. You have to learn how to become a college student, what it takes. And on a campus of the size we had here, it was very possible to do that because we had very close interaction with our faculty members, with our faculty advisors, and it was very much like a family in many ways, but the academic uh, rigor was there, and we knew that if we succeeded here, we were going to do as well and usually better after we transferred. In fact, you know, different studies would show over time that transfer students from the former UW colleges campuses usually perform better than students who transferred from other institutions, and even some of the native students. But again, the campus provides that accessibility and affordability that would mean otherwise so many people in this community would not have been able to take advantage of. You're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm Douglas Haynes, and today I'm talking with three former employees of UW-Platteville-Richland about the closing of the campus. If you'd like to join the conversation, please give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, or reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. John, I think we'll stick with you. Um... And have you continued talking now about how the community learned about uh, the UW system decision to close the campus and your reaction to it? Well, I think we were stunned, for one thing. Not overly surprised, but stunned by the way that it happened. And it, it just seemed like it was, you know, two days before Thanksgiving, all of a sudden there was this email that told everybody what was going to come down. And so I think it was the manner that it was handled was a shock to people. Um, as I said, we weren't surprised because when you have enrollment like this, you know that something is not good. And in fact, back in the summer of 2021, a group of us formed um, the Friends of the Richland Campus organization because we knew back then that if things didn't change, this would be what would happen. But I think it was the timing, it was the way that the announcement was made. We had a new university system president who has never been on this campus, not sure if he's ever been to Richland Center, and it just felt like there was a real disconnect here. And up to this point, up to that point in November, even as recently as in October, uh, talks with UW-Platteville officials um, made it seem that everything was still progressing and we were going to work harder and harder to improve enrollment. And then all of a sudden, November 22nd came, 
and there we were. I, and I think we should clarify just a couple of things for listeners in case they might not know. Uh, back in 2018, when uh, Ray Cross was president of the UW system, he also sort of very suddenly announced uh, an effort to restructure the UW system and incorporate the uh, system's two-year campuses into the regional comprehensive universities that are four-year campuses, into many of them anyway. And that's when UW-Richland Center became part of UW-Platteville. Um, the other thing that John mentioned there that I think is important to point out is that uh, this process has been part of uh, happening at the same time as a decline nationally, not just here in Wisconsin or not just at UW-Richland, but a decline nationally in college student enrollment. So this is a part of some, some much larger processes. Let's go back then to that decision moment and um, talk a little bit more about the community's orientation toward us. Dion, can you tell us about your sense of the community's reaction to the campus closure? Well, yes, and uh, as w one member of the community, uh, I was uh, uh, sitting in the, uh, in the kitchen having a cup of coffee when I heard this news on the radio, you know, enjoying my uh, retirement, and I, uh, I thought, my God almighty, this can't be, this can't be really happening. And, uh, you know, as an old administrator, my first instinct was to uh, think, uh, you know, I should call President Rothman and, and just, you know, suggest to him kindly that, you know, you're making a big mistake here. And uh, I, of course, didn't do that because that would be like trying to unring a bell. But the, the, uh, uh, the, the closure part, I, I tried to comfort myself for a while, Doug, because I you know, Rothman himself has said that he has not closed the campus. You know, he's only ordered the discontinuation of uh, of uh, in-person degree instruction, which, of course, if all things go online, you tend to lose the place you live in anyhow. So it may feel to most of us that it's tantamount to a kind of uh, close closure or shuttering of the of the building. Uh, but I, I'm still somewhat hopeful that we might uh, go forward and find, uh, as he suggested, that is, President Rothman, uh, new new ways to, to use the campus. But anyhow, to, to, to cut to the chase and back up a little bit, uh, I felt then and, and believe more firmly now that his decision to discontinue degree instruction was, I think it was seriously ill-informed and ill-advised and... Uh, uh, he had argued that low enrollment and the cost of instruction left him with little choice, but I think, in fact, what I've learned now is that uh, his decision uh, was difficult, not because, uh, well, it was difficult because it was wrong, I think. And uh, I think, in fact, he had a decent uh, alternate choice, which was uh, perhaps to join with... Uh, 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 Representative Tony Kurtz and others with the uh, Platteville administration to find out what's going wrong in the relationship between UW-Platteville and UW-Richland. Uh, he might, in fact, I think, have done us a favor if he would have investigated what I believe must have been a mismanagement that may have been systematically depleting Richland's resources for years. But instead what happened, it was kind of like a 
cop stumbling onto a crime scene and then deciding the best thing to do was to kill the victim, I guess. So it's, uh, it didn't come out right, I don't believe. Uh, and yet, you know, with uh, hearings with the legislators in Richland uh, and uh, with a wonderful uh, town hall meeting that we had, that all these venues are flooded with people who, are, who care about the campus, uh, we've learned more and more about what uh, might have been behind, you know, the uh, the celerity of the of the decision. Thank you, Dion. Let's mm-hmm. let's uh, turn to you, Dorothy, in your sense. Uh, both of the um, the causes that uh, Dion and John are beginning to unfold for us here, and uh, the community response to the closure. Well, I think the community response has just been, um, they're, they're angry, and I think rightfully so. I think that the decision was made, like many are, some by people who have no um, understanding at all of the community. They have not uh, been here. They have not talked to people. But when I was looking at, at they talk about it being a cost thing or a budget thing. In 2014-15, the budget for the 13 UW colleges campuses was 2.5% of the UW system budget. And in 2019, those same campuses, it was 2.1%. What they have gotten for that little tiny, not even half a percent of savings, if, and that's what they say they were trying to do, save money, uh, they're getting a lot less for their money. Um, part of the problem, I think, is well, we have a dean who's there two days a week or so, uh, a, a communication person who's there occasionally. Um, they're just getting far less for their money, um, and the community is getting far less for their tax money. Uh, I think it's just, there's just all kinds of levels of mismanagement, missed opportunities, and misunderstanding. And I also speak as a 50-year taxpayer uh, of property taxes here in the county, and I think I've gotten my money's worth uh, up to now, but I think uh, I think it, what they're doing to uh, to abandon the county, um, to really, um, honestly, they're doing some things contractually that are, just don't seem right to me. There, there's a 75 year lease, um, so I think it's just uh, sometimes when I was working on campus. Uh, the people at Central or in Madison would spend hours and hours and hours on organizational charts until it looked like something, a line or a, like that was the organization itself, not what was going on. And maybe they'd never even been here. So it almost seems to me like people are trying to make a pretty line to look at on a chart and have no connection to the real world. You're talking there, Dorothy, about the importance of human relationships, of course, in in running something like an educational institution. And when people become uh, units in a in a big flowchart, uh, I'm borrowing a phrase from Ross Gay, an author who I talked to here on the show uh, last fall. 
um, then some of the, those relationships get lost potentially, right? And uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start the show today with a sense of all uh, of your stories at the institution and the deep relationships that are embedded in it. You're listening to A Public Affair here on WORT 89.9 FM. I'm Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking with three former employees of UW-Platteville-Richland about the announcement last November that the campus will no longer be offering in-person classes come this July. Please join our conversation. Uh, Give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, if you have a question or observation to share. You can also tweet us at WORT Talk or message a public affair on Facebook. So let's start. Um, There's so much to unpack here in the factors that you all are sharing a really uh, complex view of. But let's start with that enrollment issue, which ostensibly is the biggest one. And you mentioned just now, Dorothy, that uh, the staff were diminished in such a way to save money after the consolidation of these two-year campuses with four-year campuses that the staff was no longer adequate to to serve students. Um, And I believe a recruiter was also um, moved from Richland to, to Platteville. Is that correct? What are the effects of these staff changes on, on getting students in the door and invested in the place? Um, John, oh, maybe you can give us give us a sense of that. Uh, they're monumental. Oh, I oh, go ahead, Dorothy. Yep. Uh, for example, I mean, a lot has been made with a recruiter, but there's so much more. Um, right, our, our website uh, is a little hidden corner of UW-Platteville, in terms of people being able to find it, even just find it is quite a challenge. And the, the content is about a few percent of what it used to be. So um, there's that. But, but some of it is messaging. I think, um, and, and I don't mean to say that, well, I, in a way I guess I do. Um, how you recruit in a rural area is maybe different. How you market in in a rural area to small town people is different. Um, the messaging is off. UW Colleges was really exceptionally good at that, and uh, I don't think the four years. Well, the four years didn't have any experience for the most part, and yet they were just handed this and said, "Do it," and I don't think they really know how. Yeah, it was a big ask for uh, all of a sudden those four-year campuses to absorb and maintain and keep vital these two-year campuses and administer them there and actually uh, integrate all the faculty and and staff as well into their own faculty and staff. It's an ongoing process, really. I can say that from experience at at UW Oshkosh. Uh, So that sounds like it was a huge factor in both running the place and recruitment of students, particularly in a rural area. John, would you like to add anything about that and the enrollment issues in particular? We knew that you could not sustain a campus with this kind of enrollment, and we knew that enrollments have declined across the country. Um, That's true, but enrollment never needed to get to the level that it is now with 60 students. Um, when, you, when you don't have an effective recruiting plan, when you don't have the infrastructure on the campus that you need to really offer the total campus university experience, when you dismantle entirely 
an international education program that meant so much to this campus and the community, um, you are really pointing everything to failure. Uh, there were years when we had 40 to 50 international students here on the Richland campus. And I think at one time we probably had more international students than UW-Platteville did. But then they totally dismantled that. And then we all know, of course, that non-residents pay a lot more in terms of tuition. And so that meant a lot to the financial bottom line uh, for our campus. And we were actually doing quite well financially uh, until regionalization started. And, and that began the systemic dismantling of everything that would make the campus successful. And I just want to clarify, uh, when you say regionalization, you're talking about when, uh, for example, Richland became part of UW-Platteville, when, when those two-year campuses no. were merged. Region, regionalization happened back in about, I think, 2014, when um, then-President Ray Cross uh, pretty much ordered then-Chancellor Kathy Sandine to implement a regionalization plan. So in that scenario, for example... We were part of a region that included UW-Rock County in Janesville, UW-Baraboo-Sauk County, and UW-Richland. So the three campuses were one unit with one dean, one marketing communications person, one student services person. Um, and then that happened around the state where campuses were regionalized. Well, enrollment began to decline and then, of course, we got to the point where if, it, if regionalization had kept up, we would have been done a long time ago. So actually, when the branch campus possibility came up, many of us thought, well, that beats the alternative. And then as it turns out, unfortunately, that really wasn't the case. Because I think what happens is if you have a, a parent campus that understands how to run, how to operate, a small two-year campus, that's one thing. But when you have a campus that doesn't understand what it takes to run a small two-year college campus, then you have problems. And, and in this case, Platteville didn't know what to do, and they were inflexible in that they were not willing to change the way they operate on the main campus. So what you all are describing is, in some ways... Um to use the cliche, the perfect storm of, of factors here. You have the regionalization and the mismanagement that you're alleging, and um, then this national trend of declining enrollment, um, and at the same time, declining state budget that Dorothy talked about earlier. And, and though they're a very small piece of the overall pie for UW system, the two-year campuses suffered disproportionately, it sounds like. So... Um, are if, there, I could just say, if, I, yeah. if I could just say one thing, um, I forget when it was, but within the last month or so, um, State Representative Tony Kurtz on a local radio program actually said he thought UW-Richland was sabotaged by UW-Platteville. And he, that, that is recorded. That is something he said. And actually back then... Uh, Senator Howard Markline was on the program at the same time, and they were asked the question, should other campuses worry that, that the same fate will fall upon them? 
And they both said, yes, they should worry, and not just two-year campuses. So those are things that were said on the record on a local radio program uh, in either, well, probably in December. May, may I just interject one thing? Go ahead, Dion. Yeah, the uh, I'm I'm old enough, and maybe John is too, uh, to remember the days of enrollment management, and the whole system had everybody on notice uh, to say that you know it's the enrollment stupid. Uh, I myself got a little bit tired of hearing about enrollment, and a lot tired of being called stupid. But the <laughs> the notion of of enrollment management. I mean, it has some devils in the formula. I mean, there can also be, as might have happened at, with Richland uh, and Platteville, there can be enrollment manipulation, too, and there can be mischief in that. And why you would, so so what we're doing, if you just kind of look at our own little trail of tears from Baraboo uh, to Richland to, to Platteville is, you know, so Baraboo has 180 students, and I guess that's okay. I mean, no one can ever tell you what the right number is. But then you ship 60 uh, students from uh, uh, the Richland campus to the Baraboo campus, and then now they've got, you know, 200 and something. But that kind of moving around of things with, with no obvious uh, uh, metric for where the students come from or where they go or what it costs is, is, is troubling. And actually, the the county board, our county board in Richland, uh, has included uh, among their uh, 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 terms in in uh, negotiating with uh, with system uh, some uh, some standard. I mean, if you if you're going to get up to what the number should be, it might be nice to to know about it, and then they could uh, systematically work toward that. But just to move. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the, the, the question, and it sounds silly to put it this way, I suppose, but but so when did, since Richland's a, a branch of uh, Platteville, uh, why isn't it Platteville? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, how you count the heads of students by location gets muddy sometimes, I think. Yeah, in other words, why is UW-Richland's enrollment considered in isolation if it's actually part of this other institution? That's what I mean. yeah, why yeah. do that? Why don't they mm -hmm. just take... Uh, yeah, that's, Instead of that's, thinking that's, about it as a its uh, its own place that it has its own sort of subset of the mission of the overall institution that it's uh, working on, right? Well, and, yeah. and you know, back, back in the day, and nothing ever changes very much, I guess, in the system, but, but back in the day, Madison was the master at this, you know, so you have 40,000 students, and suddenly, you know, because they need more money from the state, and we understand this, that headcount has, the equation has dollars connected to it. So they say, you know, we can't have any more access unless we have the money to provide quality, right? So then if the class is too large, then, you know, you have to quit taking students in. So the it, it kind of rides on the students' backs, I think, the, the, and it makes it a little crazy after a while because, uh, you know, the day before they'll say, like, man, you need to have more students. And the next day, if they need money, they'll say, we can't take any more because we need more budget to pay for the cost of them. And, and all it, this, of course, overlooks the, the overarching... Uh, issue, which is for decades there has been state decline in investment in public higher education. 
Well, Doug, and I yeah. think yeah, and, and that I think is what's driving the whole thing. You know how you how you navigate that whole system with this state funding and uh, lack of it. So. I just want yeah, to reintroduce you all and remind listeners that you're listening to A Public Affair on WRT 89.9 FM Madison. I'm talking today with Dion Kempthorne, Professor Emeritus and former Dean at UW-Platteville-Richland, and Dorothy Thomas, former Director of Marketing and Communications at UW-Platteville-Richland, and John Poole former Assistant Campus Dean for Student Affairs at UW-Platteville-Richland. There's still time to call in with questions and comments about the proposed uh, closure of in-person classes at UW-Richland. And I'd like to share, uh, you can give us a call at uh, 608-256-2001, extension 9. I'd like to share an email we received from listener Patty Peltecos, who says... She has the sense that what is happening at UW-Richland illustrates the system decision to focus on programs that bring in more money like STEM studies and research programs. That means smaller campuses can't continue sparking the thinking and learning of Wisconsin citizens. Would any of you like to respond to that? Do you agree? I don't know that... I I don't... I mean, there's no reason that... uh, that 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 would work um our students uh, students from richland from the smaller campuses they may very well become stem majors um everybody has to be a freshman somewhere mm-hmm. yeah and so uh it's important to to recognize what you all were talking about earlier is that this is a place where People can uh, enter those kinds of programs that the system, our our, uh, emailer is saying, wants to invest in STEM studies, for example. But like you're saying, Dorothy, everybody needs to start somewhere. And some people might not start at all if they don't have access uh, at a place like UW-Richland. Yeah. Um, We also have a caller who didn't want to come on the air but uh, has a question for you all. Isn't there a surplus, the caller says, in the state budget that Governor Evers could put towards uh, these two-year campuses? Uh, So we can clarify the first part. Yes, there is a record surplus in the state budget. Uh, Let's hear from you all about efforts that the campus is making or the campus community is making to say, hey, wait, there's this money. Or, or maybe other efforts uh, that you're undergoing right now to keep the place alive? Well, I'll just say that the Richland County Board of Supervisors, for one thing, had passed unanimously a resolution that has been forwarded to state legislators, the governor, UW system, um, urging continuation of this campus, and they've laid out various stipulations, including, you know, getting the infrastructure back to the campus where it can be successful, getting the budget back so that we can have the infrastructure. Um, And I think a very interesting aspect of it, because it shows a little bit that there is tension, um, the county board has requested that a professional outside mediator be present anytime there are negotiations where UW-Platteville staff are present. So I think that says something Uh, pretty loudly as well. Um, You know, this is a very conservative county. It's probably more red than blue. But on this campus, local campus issue, this is a nonpartisan issue for this county. Um, If you drive through the area, 
you're going to see lots of blue and white Save Our Richland Campus signs, and they are in yards, farm fields of Republicans, Democrats, independents. Um, Dion talked about the town hall meeting recently, and prior to that, the uh, legislative listening session, and both were rooms filled to overflowing. So the people have not given up. Um, I know there's a lot of outreach right now. The Board of Regents are meeting this week, and I know that lots of letters and emails and all kinds of communication from this area and from our alumni who are all over the world uh, are being sent. Well, and, and John, if I might add, too, at the town hall meeting on January 16th, uh, you know, Senator uh, Howard Markline and Representative Tony Kurtz were there, and they spoke to this uh, notion of funding. Uh, you know, the the uh, county board has asked for $4 million, I think, for the 23-24 year to uh, restore the campus from whatever is lost uh, uh, recently. Uh, and Mark Line and Kurtz were, uh, uh, and check me on this, Dorothy, but I think they said that they were willing, uh, you know, they're both on the finance committee that uh, has the purse strings on the $7 billion uh, uh, surplus, and $4 million, I got my uh, my percentage calculator out, and <laughs> for the $4 million taken out of the $7 billion is like one-half of 1%. <laughs> which is, is kind of amazing. But anyhow, Howard Markline and uh, Tony Kurtz, I think, uh, uh, said that they were willing to uh, to argue for it, but we're pretty sure they would uh, would not be able to get it in, in the UW system budget. And if they did, they were fearful that Tony Evers, of all people, our superintendent of schools, uh, would probably uh, veto it if the UW system told him to. So. Well, I think, Dion, the, the really important thing is that there be a line item in the budget that includes UW-Richland. If there isn't, then we are really done. Oh, no. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, no. That has and, to and happen. In fact, Tony and Howard can do that, and we've learned there's a system called the 999 where any member of the Joint Finance Committee, uh, once the budget has been drafted, they go around the room and they ask if anyone on Joint Finance want something added to the budget. So all Tony or Howard would need to do is say they would like funding included for UW-Richland, and it would be put in there. And I don't know why they think the governor would veto that. A lot of us do not think the governor would veto that. I would think he, I would think he wouldn't want to for fear of getting into his own governor problem of uh, being right. so supportive education. But you have so, to well, wonder course, whether whether they're done. saying that to sort of curtail the conversation, right? To say, well, what's the point in bothering anyway? You know, if they if they do in fact have that power to put that request in at the joint finance level. Um, and well, what I've I read in, they, in the press is that uh, Kurtz and Markline have said that. Uh, as as you all alluded to, that they see it's very unlikely to get that through joint finance. I don't. <clears throat> Howard is the co-chair of joint finance. If he wants something in that budget, it'll be in that budget. Well, I'm with John. I think uh, why not get it in there? <laughs> yeah, if it's not you know, in they there, plan on losing, it. you'd be sure to lose if you don't even try. So if it's not, I think there's a bigger question here that I'm interested in in your response to, everyone. Uh, do you see this as, in many ways, part of a 
long time ongoing disinvestment from rural education specifically in rural oh. areas more broadly <laughs> i do so much it, yeah. it is it is a, a systematic attack on rural and uh communities on small cities um it's it's just an awful thing to do and I, I agree Dorothy I think that most of us feel that way um, we're an easy target we're a very small county 17,000 people probably more cows than people um, but it's very easy because what are these little people out in Richland County going to do because the votes aren't there the votes we want are in the urban area so and it- Go ahead, John, if you wanted to finish. Well, I was just going to say, so people in the rural areas begin to feel like we really don't matter that much anymore. Dion, did you want to add something to that? Well, no, yes. What I, what I had in mind is uh, something that the county board in its, uh, in its resolution actually mentioned, uh, and it's the Wisconsin idea. And, you know, again and again, you know, you can go into the central administration and you can talk to President Rothman, and they're all for the Wisconsin idea. But I, I, I'm with Dorothy. I'm afraid they're not so much for it that they would actually like to provide any further services to uh, rural communities or to take care of uh, whatever it might be uh, in the country. So, yeah, I feel there's a... Uh, I'm not I sure... I thought it I was want. really ironic when the students went to the Regents' meeting and to meet with President Rothman, and our students want their campus they've been extremely active but they were talking about access and here was a group of rural students coming to say please give us access and they were just sort of politely patted on the head and this is happening at the same time that uh, i can tell you from personal experience there's a drumbeat in uw system about retention uh, and keeping students and student engagement and student success. And so here you have a group of students you're saying who are very engaged, wanting to stay in higher ed and saying, hey, we need your help to, to stay here. And, and you're describing them as being um, sort of politely uh, pushed away. Uh, we have a caller, and I want to make sure we, we get to him before we're done here today. Um, Dan, you're on a public affair. Yeah, Hi. Uh, I would just like to comment. I came to the conversation late, but uh, from what I can hear, is it sounds like, um, you know, being Madison, like wanting to keep most of its resources, which doesn't surprise me. You know, they could just give just a tiny fraction of their budget probably to, to the uh, UW-Richland Center and to keep that operating. And that would probably benefit, you know, a lot of, you know, probably poor uh, rural people um, to offer them something instead of just kind of dismissing them, which I think you guys just alluded to, which it really doesn't surprise me. I, I myself went to UW Superior and being a far outpost uh, campus of the UW system, I mean, even though I loved it there and, and they still exist, thankfully, but you know, you had to fight like heck to, to get any kind of resources from the university and it's not like they're not collecting enough money they just you know need to allocate it better that's the way i see it 
So you're describing, Dan, uh, a lot of inequities in the system, which certainly we could we could do a whole nother show about here on A Public Affair. Uh, maybe that's a good idea. Any response from our guests about those inequities in the system? Well, I'm They're there. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure this gets right at it, but one other thing, if Madison and other campuses, you hear how housing is so tight at UW-Madison, does everybody need to go to UW-Madison, particularly as a freshman? Um, there might actually be some students who are planning to go to Madison who might have considered a campus like Richland if they knew about it, and they would rather start at a smaller campus, small campus setting classes, and with housing much more easily attainable. And it could take pressure off a campus like Madison. But again, it's all numbers, and it's all bottom line dollars. We have one more caller on the line. Thanks for that call, Dan. Uh, Peter, you're live on a public affair. Uh, thank you for uh, taking me. I appreciate it. Appreciate the conversation. I was wondering if this whole thing is perhaps a continuation of the uh, Skywalker's uh, divide and conquer strategy that has been going on for decades now, I guess, just to defund universities and blame the larger ones? Yes. Go ahead, Dorothy. Thank well, you, Peter. I just think that that's what is going on. Um, we've sort of gotten away from from thinking of higher education as a public good and and people think of it as a product. And whoever can get the most product sold makes the most money. I think we need to reexamine that. Uh, higher education is not just a commodity. I mean, yes, people have careers, but they also become better citizens. Um, they have richer lives. It changes. It, there's more to it. But, yes, I do think that that is going on. And uh, just to add to that, you know, as we've been talking about over the course of the hour, certainly um, funding for the UW system has been declining for decades under various administrations, but uh, took a sharp drop uh, during the Scott Walker administration. We have just a couple of minutes to wrap up here, and I'd like to give you all uh, the floor to share anything you would like to share about further organizing or response, ways the public can get involved in this issue. Is there anybody in particular who'd like to speak to that? Well, well just in general, let me say that I, uh, I'm eager to find out uh, what's going to happen in the next uh, drama. I mean, the big question now, I think, is when and how will UW System and UW Platteville and UW Richland Campus meet to negotiate their uh, differences of opinion or to develop plans that might uh, enable us to have some kind of collaboration that would be fair and beneficial to all. But that's, uh, that's going to be a big moment, and I'm uh, hoping it comes sometime and that President Rothman uh, participates and uh, we get to find out what next in this uh, discussion. Dorothy or John, one minute left. I was going to say I agree with Dion because I think it's now time for the UW system, UW Platteville, the Richland County Board of Supervisors. They need to meet and they need to figure out how this is going to work going forward. Clearly, nothing can happen academically for the 23-24 academic year, really, because we're in February and 
no recruiting, no applications, nothing for fall. So maybe 23-24 is a rebuilding year. Dorothy, any next um, steps you'd like to focus on? Well, I think it, I think a lot of things were overlooked in the in the haste to regionalize and then to branch campusify uh, the former UW colleges. I think there wasn't enough consideration to the kind of relationship and the kind of agreements. I mean, I don't know that the agreements have been made public, but really the the campuses should have some responsibility for the success of their branch campuses, and I don't know that that was part of it. Uh, a lot of mistakes were made. That's Dorothy Thompson, former director of marketing and communications at UW Platteville, Richland. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there today, but thank you so much for joining us, Dorothy. Thank you. And I've also been talking with Dion Kempthorne, former dean at UW Platteville, Richland. Thanks for joining us, Dion. Thank you again. And John Poole has been with us as well, assist, former assistant campus dean for student affairs at UW Platteville, Richland. Thank you uh, so much for being with us, John. Well, thank you. I'm your host, Douglas Haynes, and I'd like to thank today's engineer, Andrew, producer Jade, and news director, Sholly, for your help putting together the program. And thank you, listeners who called in and wrote today, and thank you, all of you, for listening here on A Public Affair at WRT 89.9 FM Madison. Stay tuned for Madison Bookbeat. Today, host Andrew Thomas will be talking with Catherine Harlan about her book of stories, Fruiting Bodies. With information that would never be reported. Disregard the mainstream media distorted. We come and listen and support it. Live and direct, we come and never be reported. With information that would never be reported.